0: Start. You can uh, turn in your Bibles to Hebrews, the first chapter, and the fourth verse, and we're showing that Jesus is better, and we talked about all that last time, so we'll pick up here, uh, in verse 4, it, it's talking about that Jesus is better than the angels, uh, last time we uh, noted in the first four verses that he's better than the prophets and the reason remember that Paul is showing that Jesus is better is because the Hebrews here that he's writing to were thinking about turning away from Jesus and going back into Judaism and so he's showing them that Jesus is better and you don't want to leave someone who is better to go back to something that is inferior. And so, uh, Hebrews chapter 1, the first three verses, is showing that he's better, that Jesus is better than the prophets. And here in verse 4, it says, having become so much better than the angels. This is talking about Jesus becoming so much better than the angels. And we'll talk about that this evening. And this is not in Jesus' deity. But this is in his humanity, as we'll see. And it says, as he by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. And in his deity, he wouldn't be inheriting anything. But in his humanity, uh, because he, he is the son of God. And so, um, as God's son, he would inherit. But we'll talk about that as we go. For Notice here, verse 5, for to which... Of the angels did he, that's talking about God the Father, for to which of the angels did he ever say, You are my son, today I have begotten you. Now, notice here that Jesus is, is better than the angels because God never said that to an angel. He never called an angel his son now in the Old Testament, angels are called sons of God talks about how the sons of God came and and uh, presented themselves to the Lord. I think you see that in the book of Job and whatnot, but it's not a son is in 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 this in this regard because you see, in the Old Testament, Jesus, the second member of the Trinity, would take on human—I'm uh, sorry—angelic uh, form at times. You saw that with Abraham when he appeared to Abraham. Remember, out there in the at Abraham's tent. How many remember remember that? There were three people that showed up, and and one of them was the second member of the Trinity. So Jesus would take on. A form of an angel, I suppose you could say that in the Old Testament. At times, you'd see him called the Angel of the Lord, with a capital A. You, You okay with that? You're right with that. But this is making reference to when he, here in Hebrews, to when he took on human form. And I gave you a homework assignment last week, and what you should have found is that the word for begotten here. In Hebrews one verse five, and 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 he says, "You are my son." And this is a quote from the Old Testament. But you are my son, and 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 throughout chapters two and three, the Paul is quoting a lot from the Old Testament. Uh, He says, "You are my son." Today I have begotten you. So he calls Jesus his son. And today I have begotten you, that word begotten is different than the word begotten in John 3.16. In John 3.16, remember it says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. The word therefore begotten in the Greek is different than the word begotten in the Greek in Hebrews 1 and verse 5. Uh, here in John 3.16, the word begotten is, it's Strong's number 3439, and mono, monogenes is how I would say it. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but it means this. It means the, the soul, or the only one of its kind, or the only one of its class. Unique, one and only. And so in John 3.16, when it says, For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son. That word begotten there means the only one of its kind. You need to realize Jesus is the only one of His kind. And it's very important that you see this. He's the only one, the only human being who can claim deity. You need to understand that. When Adam was made by God, created by God. You understand that. God breathed into him the breath of life. Adam... Now, if you read the genealogies, either in Matthew's account or Luke's account, I think it's in Luke's account, it goes and it talks about... It traces Jesus' genealogy after the flesh all the way back to... Adam, and then Adam is called a son of God. Do you ever read that in the genealogies? I I think it's in Luke's. Why don't you turn there real quick and see. I think it's in Luke's account. Uh, Not very many people read the genealogies. They're very important. But uh, <clears throat> let's see. I didn't have this in my notes. You can help me find the genealogy of Jesus in Luke. If you find it, let me know. Chapter three, the last verse. Chapter three. Okay, the last verse. And it says, uh, it has gone through a bunch of people. It started in verse 23, I guess, with uh, Jesus, and then it works its way back. Doesn't it? As he was supposed the son of Joseph, and it traces it all the way back. If you study into it, you'll see Luke gives... I can't remember right now which is which. But Matthew gives the genealogy of Jesus through either Mary or Joseph. Through Joseph? Okay, and then then Luke would give it back through what? Through Mary? It's one or the other. I can't remember which is which right now. But you have to understand, uh, Joseph was Jesus' legal father here in the earth, but he wasn't his biological father. Do you understand that? You you okay? But this is very—it's all about legalities. And it's it's, it's very good, very interesting. You can make a whole study of the genealogies. The reason I'm on it now is if you go to verse 38, it says, "...the son of Enosh, the son of Seth, who was the son of Adam, who was the, the son of God." Now, I heard a preacher say this and I disagree with him. A very prominent preacher. I'm not here to, I would never call his name. Very prominent preacher. But I've heard him say this. I just disagree. He says that when Adam was there in the garden, after God breathed into him the breath of life, that Adam was just as much God as God was God. I disagree. I said, I disagree. Adam was 100% human. Zero percent God. Just like you and me. I don't know about you, but I'm 100% human. I'm zero percent God. Adam, I'm talking before the fall. Was 100% human and 0% God. You okay? Jesus, on the other hand, was 100% human and 100% God. You okay? Jesus was not 50% human and 50% God. He was 100% human and 100% God. Remember we showed you last week, he was the express image of God. Jesus. So Jesus is unique. John 3.16, God gave his only begotten son. In other words, there was only one time that God could... I don't know how else to say it, but but impregnate a virgin. You know how He did it. He sent His Word, didn't He? Through the angel, Gabriel, is that right? And Mary to the virgin. And what did she do? She received the Word, right? And the Holy Spirit hovered over her. There was no sexual interaction like we would think of sex. Say amen. It just wasn't. But the power of God came on her and She received the Word, and the Word was made flesh, John the first chapter said, and dwelt among us. So when we have Adam, we have a man, 100% man, 0% God. Jesus is unique in that He is 100% human, but also 100% God. You okay? So in John 3.16... He's the only one of his kind. Are, are you, did you have a question or a comment? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what it could have, could have before the before he was born in Bethlehem? He born in Bethlehem. Yes. And he was 100% God. Yes. I'd go along with that. Yes. He was 100% God. Yeah. Because he didn't become. Yes. Yes, in the Old Testament, when well, Jesus is the second member of the Trinity, but before Bethlehem, we didn't know him as Jesus. Actually, the Old Testament name he's known as Jehovah, the second member of the Trinity. And when he'd manifest, he'd manifest sometimes as an angel, you know. But he was a hundred, always a hundred percent God, zero percent man. I like that. But in Beth, or well, actually, when he when he at conception he became 100% human but never lost the 100% god you okay with that yeah you all okay okay so john 3:16 is talking about the only begotten there was only one time that god could could impregnate if you will a virgin and have a son only one only once a lot hung on Jesus. You know what I mean? It all hung on Jesus. Everything. If he had sinned, God couldn't impregnate another virgin. It was just, it, was, it wasn't possible that he only has one son. Do you understand? You okay? How many glad Jesus never sinned? Yeah. If any of us really had a glimpse of what Jesus did for us, we'd all go out on that road out there and do back somersaults all the way up to the gas station. All we'd have to do is get a little peek of hell. And I tell you what, we'd be dancing on the streets forever that, that Jesus rescued us from that place, you know? So in John 3.16, it means the only one of its kind. But go to James 1.5 again. He said, you are my son, today I have begotten you. So I went through all of that and I said what I said about Adam because that's going to come into play here in a moment. You're my son, today I've begotten you. This here in Hebrews one five is not talking about when Jesus Diane, it's, it's real hot up here. It's it's I it's can you I don't mean hot that way, I mean the sound. The sound. It's 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 so it's to me anyway. How does it sound to you all? I feel like I'm it's real loud. Yeah, thank you. Okay. It almost sounds like it's turned up to preach to Bush Stadium, you know. Yeah, it's still too loud. You can turn it down a little bit. Thank you. Thank you. There, is that a little better? Is that better? Okay, you probably down down a little bit more yet. Thank you. The only reason we're taping this is because folks can't make it out on midweek, so they want it on the internet, so that's why we're doing it. Does that sound better to you? Can you still hear me okay? Okay, now, when people read James 1 and 5... Today he says, You are my son, today I've begotten you. That is not talking about when Jesus was born in Bethlehem. That's not what that's talking about. This is this is Hebrews 1 5. You are my son, today I have begotten you. A lot of people think he's talking right there about when Jesus was born in Bethlehem. That's not what that's talking about. This word begotten here if you were able to do your homework, is different than the begotten in John 3.16. John 3.16 was the Greek word, as I said, monogenes, which means the only one of its kind. This word begotten here in Hebrews is Strong's 1080, which is genaho. Genaho, that's how I would say it, genaho. And it means, among other things, it means to regenerate. That's how Strong's Concordance means to procreate properly of the father by the extension of the mother. But figuratively, it means to regenerate. It has to do with, and we'll see this as we go, it has to do with the new birth. And so... In Hebrews one verse five, when he says, You are my son, today I have begotten you. I as part of your homework last time I'd ask you to compare that word begotten with the one in John three sixteen. So hopefully you did that. Did you find what I just gave you the answer? Did you find what I just told you to be right with, with what you Yes or no? Yes or no? Yes. Okay. So Let's go to Acts thirteen verse twenty nine, and the apostle Paul here, who's preaching in Antioch of Pisidia, he will he will tell us, and this is vitally important. See, Pastor Terry, why in the world are you taking fifteen minutes with it? Why are you taking so? You've got to understand this, because because I'm talking about our salvation here tonight. But I have to set this up here in order for you to get what I'm what I'm talking about. Look at Acts 13.29, and the Apostle Paul is going to use this, Today I have begotten you. He's going to use this again. And he's going to explain, because Paul wrote the book of Hebrews, and I talked about that last time. And so he's going to tell us exactly when this I've begotten you occurred. Now notice verse 29. Hebrews thirteen twenty-nine. When they had fulfilled all that was written concerning him, concerning Jesus, they took him down from the tree or the cross, laid him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead. He was seen for many days by those who came up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who are his witnesses to the people. And we declare to you, glad tidings, that promise which was made to the fathers, God has fulfilled this for us, their children, in that he was, in that he has raised up Jesus. Now, what's he talking about? Raised him up from what? From the dead. Okay. As he's raised up Jesus, as is also written in the second Psalm, "You are my son; today I have begotten you." And that word "begotten" there—it's the same word that's used in Hebrews. And so, there's, what's he talking about when he says, "Today I have begotten you"? It's talking not about, in this case, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem. It's talking about when he was what? Resurrected. Regenerated. See, on the cross, Jesus, when he went on the cross, the book of Daniel says he was cut off. But not for himself. Remember when he cried out and he said, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He was cut off from the Father. And from the Holy Spirit. And what actually happened there is he died spiritually. We're not talking about his deity now. You need to realize everything Jesus did in this earth, he did Not as the Son of God, He did it as the Son of Man. If He had, He he couldn't redeem us as the Son of God. He and we'll see that as we go. He had to do it as a man. I say it this way: a man lost it. Adam lost it, so a man had to get it back. You understand? And so, you are my son today, I've begotten you, is talking in the context not of the virgin birth. That's a different Greek word. This is in the context of the resurrection. And the interesting thing here, and it's verse 34 here, is so important. And that he raised him from the dead, no more to return to corruption. He has spoken this, I will give you the sure mercies of David. No more to return to corruption, you ought to underline that. Because you see, Jesus, and and, and let me just go on here and it will all come together here in a moment. See, he, he was not the first one to be raised from physical death, was he? Do you have people in the Old Testament that got raised from physical death? Yes or no? Did you have anybody in the New Testament get raised from physical death? Yeah. But guess what? They all died again, didn't they? Jesus, what it says, no more to return to corruption, is one of the most outstanding verses in the Bible. Because it tells us that after Jesus was raised from the dead, he was the first one to ever be raised from the dead that will never what? Die again. Is that right? Yes. That's very important. Now, with that in mind, now hold all of that. Let's move on here and then we'll, we'll, we'll get back to it. But go back to Hebrews 1.6 now. Hebrews 1.6. And, and, and in the background of all of this, we're showing how Jesus is better than the angels. First of all, he he never called any of the angels. He he never said this to any of the angels. He never said this. God never said this. And 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 you need to realize when and these these words here are the words that God used when he raised Jesus from the dead. You have to understand that Jesus went on the cross at nine AM. At high noon it goes dark. Darkness in Scripture is is oft times symbolic of the judgment of God. At some point in there, I'm not saying at high noon, but at some point in there, Jesus cries out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And at that point, I'm convinced that he's cut off from the life of God. That's when he took your sin and mine upon himself. He never sinned, but He took your sin and mine. And it cut Him off from the Father and from the Holy Ghost. That's why He sweat drops of blood in the Garden of Gethsemane. I'm convinced it wasn't the physical beatings that He he was sweating blood over. The whipping, the plucking of the beard, all of that, as bad as it was. I'm convinced what had Jesus recoiling... Saying, Father, if there be any other way, was what happened to him when all the sins of mankind were laid upon him. And he was cut off. And then he died at some point there, about three o'clock, he dies physically physically. Okay, you alright with that? And his spirit leaves his body, and we understand that his spirit, and I've taught you this from the word of God, went into hell itself. And I, I could take an hour and go through all of that, I'm not going to do that right now. But it goes into hell itself, into the worst place of hell. The, the, the bottom of the bottomless pit. You you can read that in Romans the 10th chapter. He went into the abyss, the same place where the demons didn't want to go. And he suffered there for three days and three nights. And on the third day, the Bible says when he had satisfied the claims of justice... The Bible says in the book of Isaiah, I think it's the 53rd chapter, that the father saw the travail of his soul and was satisfied. And because he never himself sinned, the Bible says in the book of Acts that he was loose from the pains of death. It was not possible that it should hold him. Couldn't have been talking about physical death because people that died physically have no pain, right? Spiritually, he's in hell. God sees the Father sees the travail of his soul and was satisfied. And because he... You see, it was our sin and your sin that sent him to hell. You need to realize that. You understand that? He was doing time in hell for you and me. He went to that cross, he shed his blood, and he went into hell for you and me. It was our sin that put him in hell. You see, we as... Temporal beings were supposed to suffer an eternal punishment. So the eternal came and suffered a temporal punishment, thus satisfying the claims of justice. Do you ever think about that? We're temporal, but we're supposed to suffer eternally. But Jesus, the eternal, came and suffered temporally three days and three nights, and that satisfied the claims of a holy God, just for the unjust. And on the third day... Because he had never sinned himself, he was able to walk out of hell. Isn't that wonderful? And on that day, the Father said something to him that he never said to any of the angels, even though the Old Testament calls them sons of God, even though Adam was called a son of God. But he said to Jesus, Talking to him in his humanity now, you. This is this is Hebrews one five. You are my son. Today, I have regenerated you, begotten you. That means regenerated. Why did Jesus need to be regenerated? Because he had been what? Cut off from the life of God. And God says in Hebrews 1.5, Today I have regenerated you. He never said that to anybody else but Jesus. And then and it goes on to say, And again I'll be to him a father and he'll be to me a son. For three days he was cut off from the life of God. God. He said, I'll be to him a father, he'll be to me a son. When is he saying this to him? When he's raising him from the dead. And then in verse 6, it says, Hebrews 1.6, But when God again brings the firstborn into the world, see, that's not talking about when he was born in Bethlehem. That's talking about when he was raised from the dead. When he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, what did he say? What did God say when he raised Jesus from the dead? He said, let all the, this is verse 6, let all the angels of God worship him. Thus showing that Jesus is better than the angels. Because all the angels are worshiping the man, Jesus. Who is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus is known in Scripture, in the New Testament, as the firstborn from the dead. Romans 8.29. Go there real quickly. Romans 8.29. For whom he far knew he also predestinated to be conformed to the image of his son that he, that's his son, might be the what? The firstborn among many brethren. What does that mean? Jesus was the firstborn again man. The firstborn again man. He didn't need to be born again for himself. He was the first regenerated, the first, the first human being to ever be cut off from the life of God and then to be hooked back up to it. Do you see that? He was the firstborn among many brethren. Well, you're, he's the first. You and I, our number's in there somewhere, isn't it? When we get born again. Look at Colossians 1.18. And he is the head of the body, talking about Jesus, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the... This is Colossians 1.18. Doesn't it say the firstborn from the... Boy, you all are quiet tonight. The first... You could can read, catch not you? You out there, he's the firstborn from the From the dead. That's cool, isn't it? Look at Hebrews 12.23. We're studying Hebrews, but... To the General Assembly and Church of the Firstborn. Who are registered in heaven. You know, if you're born again, your name's registered in heaven. We should have named the church the Church of the Firstborn. That would have been fun, huh? I'm just teasing. But you could, because that's what we are. We're the church of the firstborn, aren't we? And if we're born again, our names are registered in heaven. Who are registered in heaven to God the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect. And we'll talk about that later. I don't want to get into that right now. We'll talk about that later in in Hebrews. But the church of the firstborn. Look at Revelation one five, And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness... The firstborn from the dead. Jesus was the firstborn from the dead. When when He was raised from the dead, God the Father said to Him, You are My Son. Today I have begotten you. Today I have regenerated you. And Jesus, when God spoke those words... He was hooked back up with the life of God. I'm talking right in the pit of hell itself. He was hooked back up with the life of God. And he was the first born from spiritual death, from that spiritual separation. He was the first human being to, to be, he was cut off from that life of God and he was then the first, the first one ever to be hooked back up with it. He walked over and he took, the, and you can read this, there was, there, was a, there was a great battle that took place in hell. There's, there's no question about it. You, I can't give you the details of it. The Bible doesn't talk about it. He just says that, the Bible says he made a, he, he made a show of them openly. Do you remember reading that? And... Uh, I, I, I don't, the Bible's not, the Bible is silent on it other than apparently I just know enough about the devil that he didn't just hand those keys over to Jesus. The Bible says he spoiled principalities and powers. So he went over and he took the keys of hell and of death. So he, he's, 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 he's hooked back up with the life of God, the first born again man. He takes the keys of hell and of death and then his spirit he walks across that great divide that nobody had ever walked across before. You could read this, that divide is in Luke 16. You've read that, haven't you? Where Abraham and, and the, rich, the, the rich man Lazarus, remember that? And, and, and Jesus, why was he able to walk out of hell? Because he himself had never what? Never sinned. And he, and he takes the keys of hell and of death, he walks across, he goes over in. To what is known as Abraham's bosom or paradise and they had a worship service over there we'll see that as we go they had a worship service over there and then Jesus spirit came back up into that tomb where his body was and the power of God hit his body and his spirit went back into his body and resurrected his body from the dead and there was a great earthquake isn't that wonderful and the angel had rolled away the stone and Jesus came walking out of that tomb. Isn't that wonderful? He was not the first raised from physical death. He was the first raised from spiritual death. Spiritual death, just mean, death there just means separation. He was the first raised from that. I guess a better way to say it is, is the first regenerated, the first Human being to be hooked back up with the life of God. Then he was raised physically. Glorified body. And walked out of the tomb. Isn't that wonderful? Now, Hebrews 1.7. You see, Hebrews 1.6 six. When he brings the firstborn into the world, so, so we got two things that Jesus, that God said, well he, we got several things, what, what God said when he raised Jesus from the dead. Verse five, he said, you are my son, today I have begotten you. He said to him, again, I'll be to him a father, he'll be to me a son. Okay? You okay? Then he says, in verse seven, he says, and of the angels, he says, who makes his angel spirits as ministers a flame of fire. So he's showing that Jesus is better than the angels. In verse 8, but to the Son, he says, this is when he raised Jesus from the dead. He said, your throne, and then the Father calls the man Jesus, he calls him, calls him God. Because he was God. 100%. He said, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is a scepter of your kingdom. These are the words God used when He raised Jesus from the dead. He says, You've loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. And, and, and in the Old Testament, they would pour oil. You know, remember David was anointed as king. Well, Jesus was anointed with the oil of gladness more than your companions. He's showing that Jesus is better than anyone else. And you, Lord, in the beginning, then he's, and then this is God the Father talking to Jesus when He's raising Him from the dead. He says, You, Lord, in the beginning laid the foundation of the earth. Now, in, in Jesus' deity, we've showed you in the other classes we've taught, that He's the one that created everything. Isn't that right? And the heavens are the work of your hands. They'll perish, but you remain. And they will grow old like a garment, like a cloak. You'll fold them up, And they'll be changed, but you are the same and your years will not fail. But to which of the angels has he ever said, and to none of them, he's talking to Jesus. Look what he said. He said this to Jesus when he raised him from the dead. Sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Isn't that something? And that's when Jesus sat down. Because you see, he went after he was raised from the dead, and we'll see this later in the book of Hebrews in future lessons, that Jesus went into the heavenly holy of holies, and he presented his blood on the heavenly mercy seat, just like they did here on the earth, you know, which was a type of everything that went on up in heaven. But Jesus went in with his own blood, and he presented his own blood on the heavenly mercy seat, And then, God the Father told him to sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Isn't that something? And Jesus sat down at the right hand of the Father. And that's where he is right now. Make an intercession for us. Isn't that something? It's cool, isn't it? Verse 14. Then he says about the angels, Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those who will inherit salvation? So he's just showing us that Jesus is better than the angels. If I was teaching on angels, I'd use verse 14 and we could talk about their ministry. But let's move on since we're not talking about angels specifically. Then he says in Hebrews 2 verse 1, he said, therefore, we must give the more earnest heed to the things we've heard, lest we drift away. Remember, he's talking to the Hebrews because they're thinking that the Jewish Christians who are looking at leaving Jesus, he said, we must give the more earnest heed to the things we've heard, lest we let them slip or lest we drift away. He doesn't want them to drift away. For if the words spoken through angels prove steadfast and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? This is talking about the salvation which Jesus has provided us. And how will we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? Have you ever heard me say that to neglect Jesus is to reject him? That's where I get that from right there. To neglect Him is to reject Him. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? Well, we won't. We'll have to go to hell if we neglect it or if we reject it. But we don't have to go to hell. Isn't that wonderful? Which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard Him. All right? And that lets you know that one of the twelve apostles didn't write the book of Hebrews, because he says it was confirmed to us by those who heard him. Apparently, he was one one step away from them, which Paul was. Oh, and by the way, I wanted to say this to you. Remember last week we were talking about the unpardonable sin. How many remembers that? You remember? That? And uh, I, I was going to bring this up, and I forgot. Somebody uh denied Christ three times. Who was that? Now some people would say he committed the unpardonable sin. But he didn't, did he? No. Because what did he do right after he did that? He went out and he wept bitterly, didn't he? The Bible says Judas repented in the King James. but The word repent doesn't... See, the Bible doesn't say Peter repented, but he went out and he repented. He wept bitterly. Judas, the Bible says in the King James, he repented. But the word repent there that it uses in the King James, if you look it up in the Greek, he didn't repent. He regretted what he had done. And and as you study into it, he just had a dread of, not of repentance, but a dread of what was going to happen. He was just upset that he got caught, essentially, and he was upset that he, you know, that he had done what he had done, but he didn't repent. He regretted it, and he went out and he killed himself, and he went to hell. Is that right? How do I know Judas went to hell? Because Jesus said it would have been better for him never to have been born. The reason I bring that up is I wanted to say it last week, but I forgot. Peter did something that most of us would have thought, well, that's the unpardonable sin. He walked with Jesus for three and a half years, and he he denied him three times. But he, but, but he didn't commit the unpardonable sin, did he? Because he repented. Remember, if if you want to get back to God, you can get back to him. Judas could have gotten back to him if he'd have wanted to, but he didn't. I, I can't answer that. I, don't, I can't get in. I don't know why. All I know is that he did what he did. He sold Jesus out. And uh, I know the Bible says he was a thief. Uh Judas a scaret, was a thief he sold Jesus out and they gave him the money he didn't repent but he regretted what he had done and 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 remember he was so shook up and I don't know what was going on but he went out and he hung himself is that right and they cut the rope and he fell down and his his belly bust open and spread all over his guts went flying everywhere how many remembers reading that in the Bible he went to hell didn't he. But could have he repented if he had wanted to? He could have, but he didn't. And God knew that before he ever created the foundations of the earth, you see. Well, much we could say about that, but I was just trying to show you that Peter didn't commit the unpardonable sin. People that commit that don't want to get back to God. We talked about that last week. Let's go on here. Look at verse 5, Hebrews 2, 5. For he has not put the world to come, of which we speak in subjection to angels. See, he's still showing that Jesus is better than angels. Talking about the new heaven and the new earth, which is to come, will not be in subjection to angels, but will be in subjection to uh, Jesus and to you and me as joint heirs with Christ. But here he's showing that Jesus is better than the angels. Now look at this, verse 6. And it's going to get back into some of the things that that I said when we started this session here tonight. But one testified in a certain place saying, and this this is in Psalm 8. But one testified in a certain place saying, What is man that you're mindful of him, or the son of man that you take care of him? You have made him a little lower than the angels. You crowned him with glory and honor and set him over the works of your hands. Now, you need to understand this. Paul here is quoting the eighth psalm. And if you go back to the eighth psalm, it says, and and why don't we, Diane, can you put the eighth psalm up there in verse one? And let's just see what it says in the New King James. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Next verse. Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants you have ordained strength because of your enemies that you may silence it and so on and so forth. We could talk about that for an hour. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon, the stars, which you have ordained. Next verse. What is man that you are mindful of him, son of man, that you visit him. Next verse. For you made him. This is talking about Adam now. Gonna get back to what I was talking about a while ago. That's why I said what I did a while ago. You made him, talking about Adam and Eve, you made him a little lower than the angels. Now, in the Hebrew, now the the translators in the King James used the word angels, but they made a mistake. They didn't, I don't, I just think they didn't have the guts to do, to, to write in. That word angels there in the Hebrew is Elohim. And what that really reads is, you have made man a little lower than God. Let's leave that up there. God, the Father, made Adam just a little lower than himself. God made Adam as close to himself as he possibly could with Adam not being deity. Did you, did you get that? Actually, Jesus is called the last Adam, isn't he? Isn't he? And so many similarities between Adam before the fall and Jesus. Many similarities. Both a hundred percent human, but what's the difference? Adam could not lay his hand on deity, but Jesus could. Is that correct? But in the, but originally. God made Adam, the first Adam, Adam and, yeah, Adam and Eve, Adam, a little lower than himself. You okay? And crowned him with glory and honor. If you would have seen Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden before they sinned, I believe, and Joe asked me about this. You remember asking me about how they would have appeared in the Garden of Eden? And, and there was a glory about them. And I can't explain it, I don't know, but you see in Sunday school rooms sometimes you'll see Adam and Eve, you know, and they're, you know, even before they fell, you know, you just see them. They were naked, guys, gals, they were naked. They had no clothes, but they were unashamed. Why is that? Well, they were innocent, alright, they'd never sinned, but the glory of God was upon them. They had glory and 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 I don't I don't know how to explain it other than God crowned him with glory and honor. Next verse. You have made him to have dominion over the work of your hands and you've put all things under his feet. Which he did. You could read that in the book of Genesis, can't you? Now with that in mind, let's see you put all things under his feet. Now let's go back to Hebrews chapter 2 and read verse 7 in the context here. You've made him a little lower than... Now the the Greek does use the word angelos, but he's quoting Hebrews... I'm sorry, he's quoting Psalm 8. So how this would read in Psalm 8, you've made him a little lower than who? Than Elohim, than God. You've crowned him with glory and honor. You set him over the works of your hands. Next verse... Wait a minute. Verse eight, is that verse eight? You have put yeah say, you have put all things in subjection under his feet, for in that he put all in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. Now we've got Adam. Now, you okay? We got Adam. Was everything in this earth, including the earth itself, put in his authority? Yes or no? And it says that you put all things in subjection under him. Talk about Adam. For in that he put all things in subjection under he left nothing that is not put under him. But now we do not yet see all things put under him. You need to underline that, because what Paul is saying here, he he just he's just he's talking about man, he's talking about how God made Adam a little lower than himself, crowned him with glory and honor. Gave him dominion over everything, but now we do not yet see all things put under him. Hold that right there. What happened? The fall. So what the writer here does is he skips forward now, just that quick. He skips forward some, I guess, some 4,000 years. Just that quick. You need to realize that. If you don't realize that, you're going to get lost here. He looks back into the Garden of Eden. He looks back from the time of this writing. He looks back some 4,000 years and he sees man. What is man that art mindful of him? Son of man, you remember him. You crown him with glory and honor. You put all things in subjection under his feet and all of that. Okay? But now we don't see all things put under him. What happened? The fall. And listen, with that, just leave that right up there. Now, if you're taking notes, I wish I had a little marker board up here, but I don't. We ought to get one. God, spiritual positioning of spirit beings, God is at the very top. Right under God was man before he fell. You got that? Man is a spirit being. You and I are spirit beings. You understand that? So who's the very top spirit being of all? God. Who's just under, before Adam fell, who was just under God? Adam. And then under Adam... Were the holy angels. See, now angels excel in power over man, but angels do not have a higher spiritual rank. See, angels were not made in the class with God. Man was made in the class with God. Are you okay? Spiritually. Angels are more, they excel in, the Bible says they excel in power and strength, but not in authority. So if God, and then man before he fell, and then you got the holy angels, Then you got the fallen angels, which Satan is one, and then under them the demons. You okay? So Adam was originally made just a little lower than God. But he sinned. And when he sinned, he fell. Real loud, say fell. He fell all the way down underneath the fallen angels in rank. Isn't that something? That was a drastic plummet, wasn't it? And how do I know that? Because Jesus, speaking to, to lost mankind, said, "You are of your father, the devil." So if somebody is if if, if, if somebody has the devil as their father, the devil would outrank him. Is that right? Yes or no. So 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 Adam. And, he, and that's what he said. He said, we, we see all things put in subjection under Adam. So there's God, man before he fell, and then the holy angels, the fallen angels, the demons, and when Adam sinned, it says, but last line there, but we do not, but now, but now, we do not yet see all things put under him. What happened? Man sinned and he fell all the way down underneath the fallen angels and the demons. You okay? But now we do not yet see all things put under Him. Next verse. But, this is verse 9 now. This is verse 9 now. But we see who? We see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels. Wait a minute. When Jesus was born in Bethlehem and when Jesus walked the planet, He wasn't lower than the angels, was He? Absolutely not! Didn't he say I could call legions of angels and they didn't? He, didn't he? Didn't he? But we see Jesus, who was made. Now this is not talking about his deity. Now this is talking about his humanity. We see Jesus. See, it didn't say we see Christ. That's that's his that's his deity. It says we see who? We see. Jesus, the man. We see His humanity. We see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels. When? For the suffering of death. When was Jesus made a little lower than the angels? When He died spiritually on the cross. See, Adam... Leave that up there, please. Adam sinned and fell. In other words, he was made just a little lower than God, Adam, in the Garden of Eden, and he sinned. Adam and Eve sinned. They ate fruit, forbidden fruit. That was the sin. They disobeyed God. And they ate both of them. She ate. She was deceived. She ate. He was not deceived. He committed high treason against God. And when he bit into that thing, spiritually, he died. The Bible, God says, of all the trees of the garden you may freely eat, but in the day you eat, he said, don't eat of the tree of knowledge, good and evil. And the day you eat thereof, ye shall surely die. The Hebrew reads this way, in dying you will die. What does that mean? He bit, he died spiritually, and in that spiritual death, almost a thousand years later, he died physically. Nine hundred some odd years, he died physically. The Bible says, you don't have to have turned there, but in Isaiah the 53rd chapter, it talks about Jesus, and it talks about His death. That word death in Isaiah 53 is an intensive plural. When Jesus died on the cross, it's in Isaiah 53. You can read it over there. It talks about he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. That word Hebrew death is it's, it should read death plural. It's in, it's not just a plural. It's in Hebrew, it's an intensive plural. You have read that in Hebrews the 53 and Isaiah the 53rd chapter, haven't you? Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53, you remember back in Genesis when he told Adam, he said, In the day you eat thereof, you'll surely die. Is that right? How many remembers that? In that Hebrew, it's in dying, you will die. Speaking of more than one death, Adam ate, he died. He died spiritually and he died physically some 900 some odd years later. In Isaiah 53, let's see if I can find this. There it is. Verse 9, and they made his grave with the wicked and with the rich at his death. That's an intensive plural in the Hebrew. In his talking about Jesus, his deaths. He died on that cross. He died spiritually. Means he was cut off from the life of God. And then he died physically. Couldn't have died physically if he hadn't first died spiritually. You, You got that? You alright? Do you see that? So I mean when Adam when Adam now watch this when Adam bit into that fruit he, he died spiritually and he fell he sinned and he fell through the ranks and took up spiritual rank below the fallen angels and, and even the demons actually. But Jesus let's go back here now to, to um, uh, Hebrews 2 Verse 8, or verse 9. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death. So what happened on that cross? My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He dies spiritually and our sins, our sickness and disease, also. But I'm stressing sin here. Now, our sins are laid upon him. Second Corinthians five twenty one says, "He has made him who knew no sin to be sin." Second Corinthians five twenty one. For us, he has made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Jesus never sinned. Say Amen. He he never sinned. You see, Adam sinned and fell. But Jesus didn't fall. He received our sins upon himself. And where Adam sinned, Jesus voluntarily stepped in for us. Did you get that? Did you get that? See, Adam sinned and fell. Jesus voluntarily stepped in. And it took faith if you really understand what happened. He, by faith, he, the sin of all mankind was laid upon him and he became sin. Galatians said he became a curse. The curse. Remember that? Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. How many remembers that? And, and the curse, the curse of the law, he received our sin. Our sickness, disease, certainly, all of that, but our sins when he and 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 he took the place of the sinner. He never became a sinner, he wasn't a sinner, he took the place, the just for the unjust. He took our place and all mankind's sin was laid upon him in one place at one time. Along with the sickness and disease I was looking at it earlier today. Isaiah fifty two, he became an object of horror unrecognizable as a man. Spiritually and I believe physically. Unbelievable. It, It all laid on him. Everything at one place, one time. And he voluntarily stepped. And by doing that, we see Jesus, when he did that, he was made a little lower than the angels. You think about that. The one who created the angels. Now, Because of man's sin, he has voluntarily become a little lower than the angels. For the suffering of what? Death. See that? That's when he was made a little lower than the angels. For the suffering of death, spiritually cut off, then he died physically, three days and three nights. The bowels of the earth in the spirit realm. But aren't you glad the verse doesn't stop with death? For the suffering of death, Jesus was crowned with glory and honor that he, by the grace of God, might taste death for everyone. Now, you think about that. I mean, we're not exempted from physical death, are we? So it couldn't have been talking just about physical death. He tasted spiritual death for each and every one of us. And really you get into that, what he's talking. If you really think about it, you just think about this for a minute. Have all of us at one, now think about this. Have all of us ever tasted spiritual death? Have any of us ever been spiritually dead in here? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Once you hit the age of accountability and you sinned, you were spiritually dead, weren't you? So we've all tasted that, haven't we? Haven't we? We all have. And if Jesus tarries his coming, are we all going to taste physical death? So I wonder, really, if you dig into that verse, what kind of death did he really taste for all of us that we're never going to have to taste? It would start with an H and it would end with two L's and it's got a vowel in the middle. Isn't that wonderful? And the lake of fire. Isn't that wonderful? I mean, he tasted spiritual death all right, but we've all had to taste that. Thank God we didn't have to stay that way. We received Jesus and we get born again. We're all going to have to taste physical death. If he carries his coming, there's no way out of that. But what is that really talking about? He said, well, Jesus didn't go to hell. Well, if he didn't go to hell, Buster, you're going to have to. And where does everybody go that reject Jesus when they die? They go to hell because they rejected his, what he did for them. They reject it. They say, they, they reject Jesus. He went and paid the price in hell for us. They reject Jesus and they gotta go pay the price eternally themselves. Is that right? Is that right? So he might taste death for everyone. I believe if you really dig into what that's saying, it's talking about his, his time in hell. Now, we could say a lot about it, but you get right down at the root of it. I believe that's that's what that's talking about. By the grace of God. Why do we miss hell and make heaven? Because of the what? The grace of God. Now, look at this. For the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor. Now, now, now notice if you would. I, I, now, notice if you would. This is just, just so rich here. Ephesians, the first chapter in the 19th verse. Look at this. Look at this. We'll close with this. I need to unhook here. Ephesians 1.19 Now Jesus was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, and then it said, "Crowned with glory and honor." Let's wa- now. Now remember what happened to Adam. He f- leave that verse here, please. He fell. Didn't he fall? He fell and took up residency spiritually below the fallen angels and the demons. Jesus. Voluntarily stepped down there. See, that's where we were. We were spiritually, we were, we were in bad shape. But Jesus came to rescue us, and He stepped down there, and for three, three days and three nights He was made lower than the angels for the suffering of death. But on the third day, we read to you from the book of Hebrews, Thou art my Son, today I've begotten Thee, a scepter of the kingdom, a scepter of righteousness, and so on, sit at my right hand. When, when God's saying all of that, Notice what's happening in the spirit realm. And what is the... This is when Jesus is being raised from the dead. Watch this. And what is the exceeding greatness of His power toward us who who believe, according to the working of His mighty power, which He... Next verse. Which He worked in Christ when He what? Raised Him from the dead and seated Him at His... He he said, sit at my right hand until your enemies made footstool. Remember that? Raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Far above. See, he was made a little while lower than the angels. Talking about the fallen angels. All the way down. For the suffering of death. But when God raised him from the dead, he was brought up through the spiritual ranks. And those of us who believe got brought up with him. far Say far above. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion, that's talking about demonic power, and it's talking about, that's talking about fallen angels, that's talking about holy angels. See what happened when Jesus was raised from the dead? See, he fell below, he went all the way down and took up spiritual residency at the very bottom where we were, and then when he was raised from the dead in his humanity, now he came up, see as God he couldn't lose all of that, but in his humanity, He came up through the ranks, up, above the demons. We got authority over the devil, don't we? Above the fallen angels, above Satan. Isn't that wonderful? Above the holy angels. Isn't that wonderful? And took mankind right back up to where he, to where he was originally a little lower than God himself. Right back where Adam was in the Garden of Eden and probably much better off than that even. Isn't that wonderful? Far above all, principality, power, might, dominion, every name is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And put all things under his feet, and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. And he comes out of the tomb, and he says... All authority in heaven and in earth has been given unto me. And then he delegated his name to his disciples, which were a representative group of you and me as believers. And we've got the authority that Jesus has in his name. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that fantastic how he raised us back up? And it's interesting how... That word begotten, remember that word begotten? We, we read that. And Paul talks about uh, one fellow there that he... he t- When he talks about um, different people that he had brought to Christ, some of them he uses that word begotten. And see, it means to regenerate. Then see, Jesus was regenerated when he was brought all the way back up from below the fallen angels, all the way back up to a little lower than God is where he positioned man. And when Paul talks about people getting born again, he talks about them being begotten. And that's what happens when we get receive Jesus, we become begotten from the dead, we become born again. Isn't that wonderful? That's just fantastic. Fantastic. And um, I, I I just, sometimes I teach on this. I just, I get where I can't hardly talk. It just, it's so wonderful when you look at what Jesus did. And now, you and I as born again believers, we're seated with Christ in heavenly places. Actually, you know how I said we got a better deal than what Adam had in the garden? I don't believe that Adam was able to be seated in heavenly places. But we are in Christ, and everything that Jesus has, we've got because the Bible calls us joint heirs with Him. Isn't that something? It's wonderful, isn't it? And so, now are we God when we receive Jesus? Are we God? No, He's God, and you know He for eternity. And I like what Jeff said at the beginning: before He became a man, He was one hundred percent God. Then in in Bethlehem, you know, when He was born or when he was actually conceived, always stayed 100% God, always 100%, and then he becomes 100% man. And after he's born, he's always 100% God, always 100% man. And for all for eternity, he's going to stay what? 100% God and 100% man. And just think of it, those scars in his hands and his side and his feet, he's going to bear those for eternity. And you think about, you think about it, you know, we talk about him at Easter being raised from the dead and what a price he paid. And you would agree that at Easter time, you don't normally hear this kind of stuff preached, do you? It's all about the physical stuff that he went through. And that's, and you can preach about that and people can get saved just hearing that. Isn't that wonderful? But don't you see there's a spiritual side to it too? But think, think about God. Becoming a man. Isn't that an awesome thing for God to become a man? I mean, that was, a, that was a, quite a step down, wasn't it? Sacrifice, Sacrifice in itself. And then, f- think about it. For him to become a man and then have to become subordinate to the fallen angels. Think about that. For three days and three nights. What a price he paid. And then raised from the dead. But he didn't stay there. He, raised, he got raised from the dead. Raised all of us with him. And isn't that wonderful? All right, well, do you have any questions before we dismiss? I know I went over, but it's hard to preach on this in in an hour. Do you have any questions? Yes, sir, you have a question? If you have a question, ask it, and then I'm going to repeat it so they can hear it on the tape, and then I'll try to answer it. Yes, sir. Yes, theophany. That is when when the second member of the Trinity makes an appearance before Bethlehem. Yes. Yes. Mhm. And you know the uh, there's there's two passages, one found in Second Samuel and the other found in uh, First Chronicles. Mhm. Uh, mm-hmm. That talk about the exploits of the fighting men. Mm-hmm. Okay. And one of them was repeated twice. Mhm. Talks about Benaija, soldier, jo- son of a valiant fighter from Kamsiel. He went down into a pit. Mhm. Mm-hmm. and then the same thing is said in the Chronicles the same person identified Benaiah mm-hmm. also went down to a pit on a snowy day and killed the lion Mhm. it talks about in, in uh, Genesis 3.15 how he should be crushed the house. head of the sir, yes Yeah, it's, it's 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 like symbolic of what he did. Yeah, yeah, went down a pit and killed the lion. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Kill the lion, so to speak. Yeah, lion. Yeah, the yeah, the de- yeah he slaughtered him. I know that uh, that that angel that appeared to Joshua before he took Jericho down. Was uh, was probably Jesus, Jehovah, the second member, and that guy that showed up in the fiery furnace. That was it. Was like the son. It's one like the son of God. Remember when? Yeah. Yes, probably yes. And the one that uh, he made many appearances in the Old Testament. Yeah, isn't he wonderful? Yeah. All right, we'll pick up here next week. I'm sorry I held you over a little bit. Read read chapters. Uh, Finish chapter 2, read chapters 3 and 4 for next week, okay? You're dismissed.